at the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ PK, it is time right now to welcome back Ken Pomeroy to the show, KenPom.com. He's got his mathematical formula to rank college basketball teams, and he's done it so well. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee likes to take a peek at his numbers as they see teams into the NCAA Tournament. Ken, welcome back to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. I always love to chat. Do you know that he has his own Wikipedia, Ken Palm? DJ? I do. I do know that. so freaking huge, it's beyond belief. You know what's wild is like that page has not been updated in about mm, ten or twelve years, probably about ten years. No, what, what do you want on it? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need anything on it, but I think some of the some of the information may not be entirely accurate. Is all I'm saying. Well, update the picture so when you're outside the door, I recognize you. You didn't recognize him outside the door? You don't remember that story? I was walking out one day, and he wasn't going in through security, or is it door nine or whatever, and I didn't know he was coming. He's on somebody else's show. And were you there with your bike? Did you bike over? I was. Yeah, yeah. I was there. So you were there with your bike, and it's like, hey, how do I get in? I didn't know who he's there. And at that point, I think I'd, I think I'd met you once or twice. So you blew him off? I, like, I couldn't let him into the arena, not knowing who he was. He's Ken Palm. I didn't know that in that moment. Why yeah. didn't you ask me? <laughs> you weren't there. I've sh- I've broke bread with the guy. I have not. <laughs> Much to his relief, because nobody wants to watch me eat. Yuck. It's full contact sport. Usually a couple offensive fouls committed there. All right, Ken, so we were intrigued to have you on for multiple reasons, but one of them was BYU drops two games on the road. It's the kind of thing that's knocked them out of the tournament before. Now, they're pretty far into the tournament, and they still have USF at home, and they got a road game at St. Mary's, and I suppose they could mess up another game against the bottom half of the league. they got to play, I think, Loyal and Pepperdine a couple times down the stretch. How solid are they in the tournament? Where do you see them being seated right now? What do you think? I think they're still pretty. They're in pretty good shape. You know, you, you break down the schedule the rest of the way, and they have seven games on the schedule. They could conceivably, I guess, they're still at Portland games that got canceled earlier in the year. They're still technically listed as postponed. They could end up playing. I, I'm not sure they're going to play that. But, but with the seven games left on the schedule, you know, there's two like improbable wins. We'll say, you know, obviously they have Gonzaga on the Saturday, and uh, they have at St. Mary's in a couple weeks. Yeah, you just assume those are two losses. You know, the other five games are, are all winnable. If they won all five of those games, they'd be easily in. Even so, you know, San, San Francisco, they're playing this Thursday. You know, another kind of fellow tournament team, theoretically. Um, you know, assuming they take care of business there, and then assuming they take care of business a week from Thursday at Loyola Marymount. The other three games on the schedule are, you know, virtual automatic wins. Obviously, after losing to Pacific, you, you're a little scared to say that, but uh, assuming they, you know, just win one of those two kind of tough games that they're going to be favored in San Francisco and Loyola Marymount, I still think they're in great shape. The non-conference resume looks very good, and they've actually been done a bunch of favors by just about virtually every team they played in non-conference, probably besides the Utes. So, you know, like Oregon is coming on strong. San Diego State is playing well right now. Utah State has come to life. 
Um, you know, even Weber State is obviously playing well in the Big Sky, and that's not going to you know wow anybody from a resume standpoint. But it's you know a sneaky decent win at this point. So things are coming together, and I, I still think they're. I would not panic. You know, they take care of business down the stretch. They're going to be pretty safely in in terms of a you know seven eight nine seed. I'd say based on the non conference resume, I, I think they're going to be fine. So I was going to ask you their departure, which is after next season. How much you think it would hurt? the West Coast Conference as far as seeding purposes, particularly from Gonzaga, which is always shooting for a one seed. But then I thought maybe the better question is, is it a big deal when when the bracket comes out to be seeded like a one versus a two? Uh, a two versus a three, you know. I guess maybe a, you know two versus a seven or eight. I get that, but I'm just talking about one line. How big of a deal do you think that is? It is not a big deal at all. Like people make such such a huge stink about you know teams that get misseeded by a line or two, you know, when the bracket comes out. And where it really matters is you know going from like three to five or something, you know. It's, you go from facing kind of a, an auto bid team from a, a lesser conference if you're a three to a, you know, a team that's almost your equal if you're playing that five twelve game. You know, you know the history of the five twelve game and how often the twelve team wins. So, um, so that's you know it, it makes a difference in, in those you know first round games from that standpoint. But going from one to two makes almost no difference. I mean, I've I've looked at this in the past, and you know, a team like Gonzaga when you're when you're seeding one or two, you're not thinking really about the first round. You're thinking about winning it all pretty much that should be your goal and yeah. it, you know whether you're one or two does not affect your chances of winning a title hardly at all what really affects your chances is who else is in your region and um then ultimately you know bracket luck plays a lot of role a big role as well you know are the two or three or four seeds advancing to face you in later rounds or are they getting upset you know like houston last year you know they get to a final four and they didn't really you know, they didn't really have to be challenged pretty much most of that tournament. They were a very good team, but they also got some nice breaks in terms of just having their uh, path to the Final Four uh, become uh, much easier than you might have expected. Ken Pomeroy joining us from KenPom.com. Have you run numbers on the Big 12 to see what they are right now versus what they would be with a couple of teams gone and four more arriving? I have. I have done that. I did that, yeah, in the off season when the official announcement was made. And, you know, the thing about college basketball is it is, at least over the past, you know, seven, eight years, conference-wise, you know, we talk about the power leagues, you know, and college basketball. You have six, really, with the Big East. So, power six in college basketball. And, um, you know, people talk about the power leagues as some sort of monolith, but, but they're not. Like, there's, there have clearly been two leagues that have – uh, separated themselves in, in recent history, and that is uh, the Big 12 and the Big 10. Um, Big 12 generally has been the best conference in college basketball over that time, and they have asserted themselves again this season to really being obviously the best conference in college basketball this year. Um, so, you know, the start, you're starting from that standpoint. This is clearly the best league year in, year out, or maybe the second best in some years. Um, and so when you remove Texas and Oklahoma and you add the four newcomers, you know, the conference – takes a, a step back, but they're like so far ahead of, you know, 30, 30 other leagues basically um, that, you know, they're still going to be very good. In fact, if you, if you 
put those four new teams in, if you just use the, the future conference composition and applied it retroactively and looked at it the past six, seven years, um, it actually still would have averaged out as the best conference in college basketball. So the future is, is very strong, you know, with the caveats that you, know, you assume Kansas is going to be great whenever Bill Self retires, the Hank decides to retire. Um, you assume that Baylor and Texas Tech, who, you know, 10, 15 years ago were not fairly strong programs. Uh, you assume that they continue to be, you know, in the case of Baylor, a top five, top 10 program year in, year out. In the case of Texas Tech, a top 15, top 20 program year in, year out. If you, if you get those wishes, if you get Cincinnati, you know, kind of recovering to a, um, a level they had, you know, 15, 20 years ago, then, uh, then you're still going to have a, a very, very strong league, which obviously is, is going to help BYU from an at-large standpoint tremendously. I have a Wooden Award vote, Kenny Palm, and so this time of year they just sent me a thing with the uh, latest uh, guys that uh, should be considered that are going to be on the ballot. Uh, I don't know how much you focus on individuals, but uh, you know I look at their stats and all that, try to watch them individually as opposed to watching the teams because that's what my vote is decided upon. It's an individual award. Uh, do you have any leading candidates? Well, uh, you know, I do have a, kind of an automated version of the Player of the Year Award, and right now the leader in that is Oscar Seaway of Kentucky, who has um, primarily uh, made news for his just incredible rebounding ability. Um, you know, people focus on, on rebounds per game, and, and he, you know, is regularly in double digits and irregularly getting over 20 rebounds a game, which is phenomenal. But even when you break it down, as I do, by offensive and defensive rebounding, he actually leads the country in terms of offensive rebounding percentage and defensive rebounding percentage. So he's grabbing by himself 20% of his own team's misses, which I really should uh, calculate where that ranks among teams because there are definitely teams that do not grab – 20% 20% of their own misses. Uh, in fact, the average team uh, has an offensive rebounding percentage of around 28% nationally. So he's like by himself a, you know, a competent offensive rebounding team on his own. And then defensively, he's grabbing 36% of opponents' misses. So, um, so he's, you know, a pretty skilled offensive player as well, but, uh, but where he's just wrecking people is on the boards. And then, you know, he's also kind of a menace defensively as well. He, you know, gets a few block shots, gets his hands on balls. He just does a lot of different things. And with Kentucky coming on strong now, they're up to number two in my ratings this morning, which is a, a season high. Uh, you know, this is a team that's going to make some noise nationally. Not like it's hard for Kentucky to do that, but they really do have the, the quality of team right now that is deserving of maybe more accolades than they're getting. So um, so I think I think she weighs the choice right now. And there's not really, you know, people have talked about Ochai Baji at at Kansas and maybe being a contender, Kansas is, I think, quite a bit overrated at this point. But um, there's some other other players in the Big Ten that have, have made their name. But um, I think Sheboy is kind of distinguishing himself at this point. Okay. Ken Pomeroy joining us, KenPom.com. I read a story, and this goes with what you said about the, the Big 12 and the Big Ten pulling away. I know there was a time when the ACC and the Big East were the big brand names, but that's not how it's been the last few years. This story said that seven of the top ten players were in the Big Ten. You buying that? To some extent. I mean, you know, the, the issue is, um, the issue is, there, you know, once you, again, once you get past Shibway, I think is like kind of separating himself. 
you know, they're, nobody else is really separating themselves. So, there, you know, there are, you can certainly, especially if you're, you know, working in the, the Big Ten uh, commissioner's office, there's certainly uh, seven people you can find that are, like, plausibly, like, first or second team All-American. Um, you know, the emergence of uh, somebody like Johnny Davis at Wisconsin, who really just came out of nowhere this year. Um, you know, he's had a terrific year uh, as a winning for them. Keegan Murray at Iowa has been outstanding. Um, he's a Liddell at Ohio State is another guy who early in the season was really putting up huge numbers and still putting up decent numbers. Um, the problem is really none of those teams have necessarily, you know, distinguished themselves nationally. And so that puts a little bit of a lid on, you know, where they might deserve to be placed in terms of all American teams. But, um, yeah, certainly, certainly from an individual standpoint, I think uh, the Big Ten has, has had the, the best collection of, uh, I guess, individual players from a a stat standpoint so far this season. How much do you factor in competition? Because you look at Utah Valley's Amick, you know, he's 19-1 and 13-6. I mean, 13-6 isn't uh, 15 as Oscar is, but uh, he's obviously a big-time double-double machine. Yeah, I mean, clearly you have to factor in, you know, competition. I mean, Amick's an outstanding player, and if you're just like a – college hoops fan, you know, looking to catch a game the rest of the season, I would thoroughly recommend checking out UVU because, uh, you know, they're having a pretty solid year in the WAC and, uh, the newly expanded WAC has some, you know, decent teams now. And, uh, and AMAC's really a special player in terms of what he can do rebounding wise. He's kind of expanded his game a little bit in terms of being able to take some perimeter shots as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't think he's like a viable, you know, all-American candidate. He's only a viable like whack player of the year type of guy. But he, you know, ultimately, you just don't see guys from from you know the likes of Utah Valley making all-American teams unless they're you know going twenty-five and two or something, and you got a yeah, you know, a John Moran situation or something like that. Ken Pomeroy joining us from KenPom.com. Uh, PK and I were discussing NCAA tournament bids, and he was saying the West Coast Conference. When have they been a four-bid league? And you've got uh, USF at 38 as the fourth-best team in the conference. I'm curious how you see NCAA bids distributed, at least among the, the Western conferences that the people here are likely to follow. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, that's... I've been a kind of a skeptic. There's been a, you know, the narrative really since the first, you know, second, second or third week of the year that the WCC could be a, a four bid league. And, you know, early it, uh, obviously Gonzaga is there and early it looked like BYU was a lock and I think they're still in great shape. And then it was like, you know, St. Mary's and, and USF, did they get in? And it's just, it's, it's tough. Like it always looks great early in the season, but then once you get into conference play, obviously it gets tough when these teams start playing each other. And usually one team ends up on the wrong side of those decisions and, and drops out. But, you know, so far San Francisco is hanging in there. St. Mary's is, is really playing great. I mean, if, you know, they're probably the second best team in the league right now. I mean, BYU obviously with that loss specific, you have to drop them a little bit, but, um, but San Francisco is hanging in there and, um, they still have a, a great chance of, um, you know, sneaking into the tournament. And um, in part, that's due because of, you know, what they did in non-conference play. Um, largely, you know, not embarrassing themselves. They have a nice win over over Davidson and UAB um, and Fresno State. You know, those are not household names, but they're good teams. And um, and obviously the loss to Loyola Chicago out here didn't hurt them really that much. Loyola Chicago should be a safe at-large team. 
Um, but right now, San Francisco four and three in conference. So you know they're going to have to to beat you know one of the big boys. You know maybe once, maybe twice, and avoid those bad losses the rest of the way. Um, but they can do it, and they can still get in in large part because um, the Pac-12 has sort of you know vacated the premises. I mean they have obviously Arizona and UCLA and USC, and those three teams are going to be in the tournament, but. Uh, they may not get anybody else. You know, Oregon's coming on strong, so they may get there. But, this is, you know, the Pac-12 is not exactly hogging bids here out west, fellas. So, uh, you know, the WCC will, will have an opportunity to take advantage of that, as will the Mountain West. I mean, the Mountain West really has, like, five teams at the top of the league that are all pretty even with each other competitively. Um, so it seems unlikely the Mountain West would be, like, a five-bid league. But, you know, with that many good teams, like, they could – they could get three or four in as well. And, uh, and so we're going to see, you know, the bids kind of equally spread here, I think, among uh, each of these Western leagues. Still a few weeks to go, but as far as Pac-12 Player of the Year, I want Johnny Juzang just because I think it's a fun name to say. That's a, that's a great reason, PK. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's why I root for Debo Samuel. Don't kid yourself. I mean, Johnny Juzang. I mean, that just rolls, doesn't it, Ken? <laughs> what do you have against Christian Coloco? I can make a case that uh, <laughs> that's more fun. Uh, it, it, I'll give you that, but I, I don't know that it's more fun. I, I like Johnny Juzang. I mean, Johnny Juzang, just Johnny. I mean, Johnny is an underutilized name for it. If you're named Johnny as an athlete, boom, you automatically have credibility. You do? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's been that way since Unitas. <laughs> He's bequeathed that to all the other Johnnies. Johnny Bench? Come on. Does Ainge really get the run that he gets if he was Dan or Daniel? No, but Danny. That's true. Definitely a sports thing. You you always think of Danny as like a 21-year-old. He's like 62, (laughs) 63 years old now. But Danny, man, you know, you think of him as 1981, streaking down the court. Whether he's Dan or Daniel, no. You'd think of him as an old man. That's true. I've always wondered why his Twitter handle, though, is Daniel Ainge, that Ah, you got to be dignified, I guess. Gives them a little more authority, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but how about Pac-12 Player of the Year? I mean, Juzang's having a nice season. Juzang is having a nice year. Juzang is having a nice year. I mean, uh, uh, UCLA and Arizona square off again. You know, round two of uh, this battle between the two clear top teams in the Pac-12 on Thursday night. And so, um, you know, that might have a say in this, but Juzang's probably the favorite. But I would not, I seriously would not uh, dismiss what the Arizona guys are doing. I mean, Coloco has really made huge yeah, But they're Arizona guys. They're just bad people. Well, I understand that. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> There's the character clause, I guess. Huh? Yeah. That, that, uh, is that a thing? Uh, yeah, well, um, I get it. I'm not going to uh, convince you otherwise on that front, but either Coloco or Benedict Matherin, uh, who's their uh, really talented wing. I mean, they both made tremendous strides this year for Arizona and kind of allowed them to come from, you know, pretty much obscurity to start the season. They weren't, uh, you know, weren't given much of a chance to compete with uh, the likes of UCLA heading into the season. And, you know, they've been a a very solid team. I think pretty underrated, flying under the radar a bit, because, you know, obviously losing to UCLA last week, uh, especially, you know, given that nobody on the East Coast really could watch that game, but losing that game, I think, preventing them maybe from getting more more publicity than yeah, they'll probably get two more chances though. I can see those two squaring off in Vegas. You would think so. You would think so. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly the two best teams in the league, so you'd think that would happen. 
Well, Ken, as always, we appreciate it. BYU is a 7, 8, or 9, somewhere in that neighborhood. We'll, we'll put you down for that. Put me down for that, and uh, we'll check back later on, uh, on how that worked out. Sure. All right. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. You can check him out online. He's got BYU at uh, 28 right now in his rankings. Yeah, I, they've got a rebound, man. That was disheartening. Uh, it may not be crushing right now, but if you compound it, it would be. And and I think for them, it's not about just getting the tournament. It's about winning a ball game. You know, it's something that Mark Pope hasn't done. He can get the opportunity that first year. I think they would have gotten it. And then last year, he gets uh, saddled with a team that goes uh, all the way to the final, right? Uh, then they then they get uh, or uh, final four. Final anyway. four. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what's his face Suggs hit that runner in the in the semifinal game to, to beat them from Gonzaga. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they faced a real hot team. They were big time, t- they were big time hot at that time, clearly, uh, because they were doubtful to get in. So if the Cougars can win a game this year after losing their two experienced big guys, I think that's there's no other way that you can classify it but as a successful season. Yeah, but are you really expecting that? Well, if they get a seven seed, why not? Yeah. Man, you just dismissed them. Well, my expectations since those guys went down have been pretty low, and they've consistently overachieved my expectations uh, until this last week. I don't think either of those guys were I know, but you just you need some size. You're well, right. They got the, the, the AAA young kid. He's got size. He's a youngster. He's raw and all. But as you get 20, 25 games in, you got Chris Burgess, a big man coach. Coach him up there. You're not a rookie anymore. And, uh, what do they call him? Foose, uh, Tiore. I mean, yep. he's undersized. I get it, but he's tough. He's, he's grabbed a lot of rebounds. So for him. he's grabbed a lot of boards. I, yeah, I have an expectation for them to win a game. Absolutely, that's the standard. That's what that's what you want. Minimally, that's what you want, and that's what they need. So yes, I do. Now a lot of it is matchup, and depending on how they finish off this thing. That remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think they should be thinking. And they're probably going to say, you know, they want more than that. I get that. But deep down, if they win a game in the tournament, Pope's first win in the tournament for BYU for in his coaching career, and it's been a while since they've won a game, and I guess you can even count the play-in game. That sort of counts. Your, your point is getting to the round of 32. Yeah, I think that's a big, big deal for them. It was a disappointment last year. Two years ago, they didn't get the shot because of what happened. And that was a different flavor of disappointment because it did look like they were set up to do it. Yes, they had a lot of things going and, on for them. Right. And could that have been a Sweet 16 team? Where could they have gone? Possibly and, if right. things broke right, yeah. Exactly. Well, they never, they never filled out the bracket that year. We never saw who the matchups would have been, how much they would have had to travel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, they could have got beaten the first round because their last game that they played together, they sort of tripped over themselves yeah. against St. Mary's in, in Vegas. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're giving away tickets to see the Jazz and the Warriors. We will do that right after the break. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He joins us at 9 o'clock. Joe Ingles' memories, is this it? Scenario out there where this isn't it, but there's multiple scenarios out there where this is it. If this is it, Joe, the best memories. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. 
Let's do it. Jordan Schultz. I think Broncos have a real shot to go ahead and get Aaron Rodgers and potentially Adams as well. They have $40 million in cap. They have an opportunity with a roster that, you know, is, is pretty good across the board. And I was told that they'd be willing to potentially give up one of those young receivers. Maybe, maybe it's Jerry Judy. I know they already paid Sutton. But they have some pieces there. And with that cap, if they go ahead and get discount double check, you know, there's no reason, even in that division, why Denver wouldn't be able to you know, be a, a real contender moving forward. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got tickets to see the Jazz and the Warriors. Woohoo! Yeah. Warriors? Yeah. Sweet. Coming up February 9th. That is one week from tomorrow. The Warriors will be here. Got a, So next Wednesday. Got a, yes. Ooh. Got a pair of tickets. Hold on a second. What's the number? You can't win. Ah, fetch. You know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll find a way to get tickets. How do you, you not want to see the Warriors? Steph Curry hasn't put on a show since last night. 21 points in the fourth quarter. Finished with 40 and make sure his Warriors won the game, which they did. Warriors beat the Rockets last night. So if you want to see the Jazz and the Warriors, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Be caller number 12. We'll send you to the game. If you don't win now, you can try again at 930. We'll have another pair of tickets. So we got the Joe Engel news. You ready for a little memory lane? Memory lane's getting crowded now. Memory lane needs to become memory boulevard. Memory freeway? interstate highway. Yeah, <laughs> memory freeway. It's funny you say that interstate highway because we're coming out of the Rose Bowl and uh, I normally would go through downtown to where I live. Well, now I'm going to go along the foothills to, to go up to start to get up to Victorville, right? So my wife's got the, uh, the thing, the GPS thing on the phone. And it says, stay in the left six lanes. <laughs> and I say to her, man, we know we ain't in Salt Lake now. <laughs> the left six lanes. Get on the 210 out of there. Yeah, stay in the, and as you're merging on, stay in the left six lanes. Wow. <laughs> Paved a big chunk of the hillside to do this, didn't you? Yeah, we don't have them six laners uh, around here. Well, on the old memory interstate, we got six lanes for Joe Ingles' memories. And now if you want to throw in Tom Brady memories, because he went on Instagram a little while ago and this morning and cleared it all up. The process is now finished. He's now retiring. Adam Schefter was right. ESPN was right. He's out. 22 years. 10 Super Bowls. Seven wins. Staggering. Yeah. Unparalleled in the the debate, Joe Montana or John Elway, who's the best quarterback of all time? Behind Tom Brady. And he (laughs) Brady comes along and wins more Super Bowls than those two guys combined, goes to more Super Bowls than those two guys combined. Elway went to five and Montana went to four. They had nine. Brady went to ten. Montana won four and LA won two. That's six. Brady took home seven. That's the ultimate write-off in the sunset. (laughs) Right? That you could go to more Super Bowls and win more Super Bowls than Elway and Montana combined. You're out there in dreamland territory. And then you woke up. 
I don't judge it by Super Bowl wins, though. Well, you could judge it by 22 years of going to the playoffs year after year after year. You can do that. You could judge it by all the fourth quarter comebacks you saw out of him. Well, how would you like to judge it? There's probably other ways you can judge it. The Taking thing is, a that team that was mediocre the, the year before and getting them to the Super Bowl, which is right at the end here. Just going what he did going to the box. Yeah. And how he was the difference. You know, if he's always cracked up to be, he ought to be the difference. Well, you know, he got Gronk to come along with him. He is. Uh, but that, that, was, that might be the most impressive of all of that. You know, Elway gets credit for two, Manning gets credit for two, and one of them, each of them, were basically handing off. Now, that doesn't take away from their greatness at all, because in their primes, they were awesome. Roethlisberger had two, and he basically handed off in one also. That's another guy you can put on the list there. And I don't think Roethlisberger is going to go in the discussion of uh, goatish, but no. nevertheless, he's also going to go in the Hall of Fame. And so you walk away thinking, yeah, I had a phenomenal career. Everyone who's ever thrown a football, if you ask them, would you take Brendan Roethlisberger's NFL career? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Brady is dreamland. Yes. It's beyond comprehension. Yeah. In the most popular sport, I mean, the numbers bear it out. One of the greatest things to me is that the NFL got beyond the politics and got back to this. Now, that's my own personal opinion. If you want them to kneel and roll over and do whatever you want, fine. But this is my personal opinion, so I can't be wrong on this. Uh, I like sports as a diversion. And... To get the NFL back to where it was and the numbers in television, what I've been seeing, because they're on social media and they they just Massive. been enormous. Yeah. And I can see why, because it's... The games have been phenomenal. The games have been, yeah, incredible, and it's a great, great sport. And, and it's reinventing itself. Brady's, I mean, we, Drew Brees just retired. I was going to say, we just lost Drew Brees like he died. Uh, Drew Brees just retired. A year later, Brady retires. Roethlisberger looks like he's retiring. Oh, he is. He's Aaron Rodgers announced it last is, week. Is he going to retire? No. Oh no, no. He wants. He wants a drama. <laughs> Look at you. So in a couple more years, he's thirty-eight. So there's a whole generation of guys either hanging it up or about to. Yeah. Well, oh. and the next generation, Mahomes is twenty-six. Well, I think all sports reinvent themselves. Exactly. Josh Allen, wildly entertaining. I'll watch that guy play quarterback all day long. Joe Burrow, I watch that guy play quarterback all day long. I spoke to somebody over the weekend on Saturday, and we were talking some NFL football. And this is a man who I greatly respect. And he said to me that Josh Allen can be better than all the quarterbacks in the game today. Well, that would be awesome. Yeah. The AFC alone is loaded with so many good young quarterbacks. And three of them already have postseason wins Two of them yeah. have been to Super Bowls once Burrow plays in it here in two weeks. And he saw Allen play in that game against KC. He was mm-hmm. there. And he's got a keen, keen mind for football. And he was just raving about Allen. Absolutely raving about him. So Yeah, I believe it. I think yeah, those three guys. Yeah. After the game, when Mahomes tells Josh Allen we're going to do this a lot, he knows he's going to run into him in the playoffs again and again and again. And I think you throw Burrow right in there. Now, that doesn't mean that one of these other young quarterbacks can't step up and, and join them, because they can, but it's getting real crowded. See, that's the, the essence of Brady's greatness, is consistent greatness, because we just named 
several up-and-coming stars, and I agree with every one that you said. But two, three years ago, even though he's a little older now, we would have put Russell Wilson in that category, and we didn't even mention his name. The Seahawks have fallen off, right? But we would always, for 20 friggin' years... You would never do a list of the Brady. top three or four and not... yeah, Right. Right. And that that's the essence of that greatness, is that... He would always be in the discussion. He's always be now. If you didn't have him at the top, your choice. But you would certainly have him near, and he would always be in that discussion for two decades. Now, how much has Russell Wilson fallen off, and how much have the Seahawks fallen off? Because you've spent the last few weeks saying, "I overrate the impact of quarterbacks on NFL teams." It is the ultimate team game, which we've all heard. And the truth is, if Seattle decides to trade Russell Wilson, teams will line up. Now, it may not work out, and they may give up too much and gut themselves in the process, so there's a lot that can go wrong. But nonetheless, teams will line up to get Russell Wilson if he's on the trade market. Well, depending on who you have, or do you Yes, have. but decent teams that are playoff-ish, 500-ish. I mean, Pittsburgh did get in. Denver did not. And Pittsburgh would be like... Carolina. would love to have Russell Wilson right yeah. now to replace... Carolina and Washington would, would line up in a heartbeat. It'd be interesting to see if a team like Philadelphia did. I would. I would take him. Yeah. I still think he's really good, but the team has fallen off. But yet the Patriots, and a lot of that goes with Belichick and all that, but still, when you look at what Brady did with a bunch of no-name, undersized guys, I mean... You can name them, but you don't even remember when they were there. No. Nope. When did Amendola play? When did Julian Edelman play? Right. Uh, and who's the other? Well, there's another guy. I think he paid for the. Uh, you're you're right, and I'm blanking too. Uh, played for the Chargers this year, didn't he? Uh, Twitter set us up. What was his name? Uh, guys that were quarterbacks in lower divisions places, and you know Gronk was a star, great, and he is a star. Um, and and Moss for a time. <laughs> Moss came in. Yeah, but in so many players that uh, he are you thinking? Are you thinking Wes Welker or Welker's Danny Woodhead? One, Woodhead. Oh, but, uh, there's a guy who's on the Chargers this year. Uh, and all those guys. I mean, a slew of guys. And he was there, except for that one season he got hurt. He was there year after year after year. To me, and the Super Bowls. Yeah, they punctuate it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that they that that's so impressive, uh, the number that he's won and the number that he's participated in, uh, but just the, the the phenomenal level of consistent greatness, because you you to to play at forty four and and really at thirty seven thirty eight so forth, it has to be a day to day year long commitment. You know you can't decide. Well, it's June. We got camp next month. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I got to go take those fifteen pounds. Yeah, I'm going to start getting serious. It doesn't it can't be that. It has to literally be every day, and that's what allowed him and some good fortune along the way. Sure, but it allowed him to continue. He made that commitment that this it was this is what it was going to be. You know, Carl Malone did that. He obviously had a commitment there, and he never wavered from that commitment that I'm going to do this that's going to allow me to do that for an extended period. And Malone, Malone had, he retired late, but he had stuff in the tank. He could have played more. He may not have been the MVP level, 
but he still had more because he had made that commitment that this is what I'm going to do. The Athletics counting down the top 75 players in the NBA's 75th year, and they did stuff on Stockton loan as part of the countdown. They profiled each guy along the way every day. And I can't remember which guys it was in, but Stockton told the story that Carl Malone would call him at some freakishly early hour. Now, he did have the advantage of a couple time zones, but you know he'd figured out like Carl was lifting at 6 a.m., so he'd call John at 4 a.m. What are you up to, young man? And he could hear the, the barbells clanging. Right. It's obvious he made a commitment. You only need to look at him. You don't get to that without basically making a lifestyle commitment. And we've seen a number of dudes that didn't make that. Shaq. <laughs> you know what I mean? Colby? I do. Yes, I think that... One of the most shocking things I saw in an NBA game. I always watch sports, and the thing you value most is the thing you see that you never get to see. Is so much of it you've seen before. And the Lakers win a title, and they cut to the camera that's by the locker room door. Because you can't go in the locker room. But the players are running in the locker room celebrating, and somebody runs in and throws the door open, and Shaq's already in there, and his shirt is off. Whoa, Shaq! Yeah. And he enjoyed life, and he's got yeah. a lot out of it. So be it. Fine. Yeah. Um, he's still got four titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. can all sit here and wonder if he could have, would have, should have had five, six, or oh, seven. There's no doubt but, in my mind that yeah. they could have, uh, but they let other things get in the way. And Brady doing what he did, and the fact that it, what, he was a sixth-round pick, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your greatest is a sixth-round pick, not in an era where scouting wasn't a big deal, not in an era like in the NBA where we weren't really sure what those foreign guys could do. Well, now, of course... No, this is a Michigan quarterback Yeah, in an era when everybody scouted Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, There was plenty. There were plenty of eyes on him. Right. Mel Kuyper is doing his thing back then. Yeah. And, And they're still obsessing. Maybe they obsess more about the draft. And they got it wrong. They got it so wrong, and he got it so right. It's just, it, it adds to, it's not a complete Kurt Warner box and groceries success story, but it's still pretty doggone impressive. And I saw the other day, they were listing all the quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him. The guys that I don't I have the slightest memory whatsoever. And one of the guys in Michigan, he split time, what was his name? Henson? Hanson? Drew, Drew Henson. and he grew up here because his dad coached the U. Oh yeah, yeah. He played. Uh, I mean, I remember him, but I didn't know there was a U tie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was in town for for a while. His dad was a coach at the U. I think he might even have been coordinator. It was before me, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but I think he might have been coordinator at the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's splitting time, and then they go on to this. It, 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 he goes down as the most decorated team sport athlete in the history of sports in our country. And I think you've got to put uh, Bill Russell. Wayne Gretzky. And then MJ. Uh, there. I mean, hockey doesn't get near as much run. Yogi Berra. This guy who won a lot. Oh, yeah, those Yankee dudes? Yeah. Because he was there for that whole Yankee run. Yeah. What they were saying about Brady 20 years ago in the draft. Poor build, skinny, lacks mobility and ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, doesn't throw a really tight spiral. 
gets knocked down easily. But he gets it up again. System type player. Shambawanga, right? Yeah. <laughs> System type player who can get exposed if forced to ad lib. We'll go to 10 Super Bowls. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Andy Bailey covers the NBA report for, or covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes. Where did the Jazz go after Joe Ingles' injury? What does this mean at the trade deadline? How do they stack up in the West? Who can pick up part of the load? We will talk with Andy in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that they wouldn't shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For for people today to be like, change the overtime rules, you're ignoring badness decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Today is the one-month anniversary of the youth playing in the Rose Bowl. Does it seem like a month ago, PK? Yes. <laughs> Time is fast, and you have a firm grasp on it. Seems like precisely a month ago. Even longer. Because there's no games in between. Games come at you. You get in that routine each week. During the season, seems like it's a long time ago, and all—not all of them, but a lot of the kids have moved on, getting ready to prepare for themselves for NFL possibilities and all that stuff. And that, I mean, that happens every year. Uh, and plus, you're so engrossed in the NFL that college seems like it was a, a good long while ago. You know, you, we're talking, the media's talking to Kyle Whittingham every week and all that. And that's not been the case. So, yeah, it does seem, it seems even longer, actually. Because you get back in the day-to-day routine. And that wasn't, that wasn't normal routine. That was a glorious time. Hey, every single person who went there had, had a, a phenomenal time. time. Yeah, I know, a lot, I know a lot of people that uh, have gotten COVID since they've been back <laughs> who were there. I yeah. didn't. At least I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, but I haven't had anything. To, I have been tested a couple times. Uh, so yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a glorious experience. And it was innocent, too. You Ryan know. posts on our Facebook page, all around amazing experience. Anyone says anything less is a bitter, jealous BYU fan. And I'm not wrong. Everything's about the rivalry. I, yeah, I, and that's fine. But... I agree with him. Jeffrey, I was able to attend the Rose Bowl this year. It was fantastic. I hope for many more opportunities in the future. Uh, great. I don't know that you will, but I go ahead and hope. I'm all, all, I'm all for that. Uh, I had a phenomenal time, and I'm a bitter, hardened dude who's done all this stuff. You know, 
I've been to uh, so many bowl games, the Final Four, you name it, at the collegiate level here with my job. But and but I knew that they were going to have a phenomenal time. I had been saying it for years. You'd been there. You'd had a yeah. phenomenal time. You knew how it worked. Right. And they did. They had the ex- and they didn't even win. When I went as a fan, the Devils won. Took and, down Michigan, baby. And that's great. But I probably would have uh, had. Well, I probably would have experienced the same thing as you fans if, say, Michigan. I don't even remember the concourse of the the not the concourse, but the just the form, the way the game went. I don't remember. I don't remember much about it. I mean, no, they won. There's no details. You just remember the final score. They played for three hours, and then yeah, ASU I think it was won. like 22 to 15, if I remember. It was oh, okay, because uh, there was an inordinate amount of field goals. Uh, but if Michigan would have done something and, and won the ball game, I probably would have felt the same way. Man, this was a phenomenal experience, especially for your first time. And uh, and, and for, for feud fans who – Scott Mitchell does this. Uh, they play this promo here. You can hear him uh, in the afternoons where he talks about, you know, he really couldn't have fathomed it. You know, he played at Utah. He grew up here. And so this was a program that was – not even good. Forget about it. They were awful. And to see how far they've come in the span, and if you're of his age or older, it's almost like a football dream come true. So when you get to that, yeah, you lost by a field goal with nine seconds to go. That That's supposed to ruin your experience? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, if it, it was the Super Bowl or the national title game, that's another story. But it wasn't. It was exactly the way I said it was going to be. There's going to be thousands who were going to be there. They were going to have the time of their lives. It was going to be a nice day, and you were going to just relish it. And it was a fun, fun game. My goodness. Well, the second quarter was just off the charts. For me as a sports fan who ultimately really doesn't care about the outcomes, but is so wants to have fun with it and it, and be entertained. Four touchdowns in ten minutes will entertain you. The entire game. And that Stroud kid, I'm going to watch him as we all are. He was he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The next Jamar Chase. Um, he's the quarterback I'm talking about, not the receiver. Uh, just uh, Stroud will be the next Joe Burrow. The, the throws he was even when we're sitting high up, you can see it. And you see the play develop and, and all that stuff. And just to watch him do his thing, man, even though I wanted the Utes to win, it was still fun to watch because he looked really, really good. And, it, and it's, it is symbolic of where the Pac-12 is because, as I was joking the day before with uh, Ben and Jake, he's a Cucamonga kid. And I said, that's fun to say, a Cucamonga kid. He, went, he grew up in Cucamonga, went right down the freeway. A Cucamonga kid. And he goes, Ohio State. For the future success of the conference, that literally cannot happen. Yeah, when the commissioner uh, came on our show and just started listing off all the schools that had kids who went to high school in Pac-12 areas, the Pac-12 footprint. Yeah, I think that if they've got a kid who goes to another Power 5 and succeeds within a 40-mile radius of your campus, you should be docked a scholarship. (laughs) Yeah. That'll get everyone prioritizing quarterbacks. Oh, and not just quarterbacks, any 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 player. Forty miles, so they can lose some kids. 
USC and UCLA will not be responsible for losing a kid out of San Diego. And right, that's too far. The Fresno kid, Josh Allen, none of the California schools will be penalized for that. Uh, maybe Fresno, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> penalized Mountain West schools. But yeah, there's something to be said. You got to keep your dudes home, man. They're right under your nose. You should be able to sell this big time. And that's why they're paying Lincoln Riley the big bucks to see if that's what he could do. Yep. Well, it's not just the California schools who are struggling with the California kids. The Florida schools are struggling with Florida kids. Yeah, but if you get somebody who's just as good and you're playing in the playoff and whatnot, it doesn't matter. But Florida State isn't doing that anymore. I got that. You're right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Joe Ingles, ACL, done for the season. What are the Jazz going to do? How can they replace him? How does this impact the trade market? All those questions for Andy. Coming up next, stay with us.